Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is the weekly fireside chat. There's the fire. Here's the side. And there's Otto. Otto, what do you say? Say hello to the gang, Otto. Otto is very relaxed. That's his personality. There's nothing, and I love it. It's just the best. I'm surprised he's not snoring now. I'm happy he's not, actually. It, it would definitely be a little distracting on the audio part. All right, all's good, Otto. There we go. He's the man. Snoopy's in the room, too. Snoopy's on there. You don't see him. He might be walking by. But uh, their mom, a.k.a. my wife, is not here now, which causes great pain to the dogs. Otto, oddly enough, he's not in pain now because he's distracted by the fireside chat. Okay, some thoughts. So we had a, a presidential debate, and uh, I, have a, I have a lot of mottos with regard to my radio show, which I've been doing for 35 years. One of the, my mottos is, first tell the truth, then give your opinion. Truth is, truth is holy, in my opinion. The truth is it was not, it was not an elevating debate. Right? It just wasn't. And I, I, think, I think about kids watching the debate. I think when I was 11, I watched the Kennedy-Nixon debate. And if you watch that debate, you can watch it on YouTube or, you know, on the Internet. It will blow your mind as to how sophisticated, how elevated it was compared to what we, we just had. Uh, in the United States now. So I, I have a theory on this that I'd like to share with you. Almost everything has been degraded in the last two generations. And you know, I'll tell you where I think it began. The acceptance of public cursing. I, I knew that this was a bad thing when it started. I am not a prude. Uh, you, tell, you tell me a good joke with, with a colorful word, with an expletive, I will laugh. On rare occasions, well chosen, with intimate friends, I will even use one. As I've often said, if a piano falls on your toe and you go, oh gosh, you're a better man or woman than I am. Okay? I, and I'm okay if you used a more colorful expletive. But public cursing, that's very different. Public and private are different worlds. People don't know this. I learned this in, in my religious education. It's a very big difference. So, I, I mean, the, an obvious one, nudity. Private nudity is nothing. Public nudity is a big deal, right? Relieving yourself, I mean, to, to go to the extreme. You relieve yourself in private is completely normal and a non-issue. You relieve yourself in public, it's awful. And it probably means you're sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick. Same with cursing. Cursing does not belong in the public sphere. Just, uh, uh, just on CNN, right after the debate, one of the women anchors used the S-word to describe the debate. And she said, oh, I could do this because it's cable TV. Yes, she can legally. 
but but is it the right thing to do? That she brought down the society as much as anything that happened in the debate did, just by doing that. So I I thought from the beginning that the public expletives was an example. Uh, and I said it at the time. I said, you know, this is a bad sign. Things are going to go downhill. Uh, I give you an example, too, of, of the downhill that I've, that I've witnessed in my life. In 1962, and I don't remember it, but I, I, I know about it, uh, of course, uh, it was, that, was the, that was the Supreme Court decision that ushered in uh, the, the left-wing... attack on on our norms there was there was prayer in most american public schools opening the day the prayer in new york state that was the one on trial the prayer in new york state was essentially the following it was completely non-denominational uh oh oh god we ask thy blessings on our teachers our parents and our country so i think that was based something some variation on that. It wasn't Christian, it wasn't Jewish, it wasn't Muslim, it wasn't denominational at all. Unless you are anti-religious, it was completely inoffensive. And by the way, if a kid didn't want to say it, he didn't have to say it. They didn't, and they didn't ask who didn't say it. Nobody knew who didn't say it. You, you could just stand there. It was checking. No, we didn't have checkers. But the Supreme Court ruled this violated separation of church and state, which is ironic because it doesn't even appear in the Constitution, separation of church and state. <laughs> so it's hard to violate something that doesn't appear in the Constitution. But, this, but starting in 62, the Supreme Court decided to become a lawmaker, not a law decider. There's a big difference. Congress makes laws. The, the courts do not. But as, they, as the left took over the courts, they felt we can make laws because what we believe in is worthy and therefore should be done. So here is, the, here is something I've said in many speeches. We went from blessing teachers in one generation to cursing teachers. Interesting, no? See... When you, when you remove elevated ideas, and whether you believe in God or not is irrelevant to me, but you have to acknowledge it. at its best it's an elevated idea, that there is some, something above you that, that is the source of right and wrong that you try to you imitate uh, for, for, you know, the concept of, of imitation of God is, is very deep in, 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 in all Judeo-Christian religions. So this is, this is uh, no longer uh, what we have. E- everything has got degraded. I'd like you to watch another, I'll give you another example. Watch late night TV, the most, the most popular late night television uh, host was Johnny Carson. And I don't know, but maybe, you know, he stopped in maybe 2000. I don't know around when. But he was on for like 30 years. He was a legend in the United States. But I, I want you to watch it because I want you to see 
how non-political, nobody knew Johnny Carson's politics. No one. Because he felt, he, he thought that he had a, almost a sacred duty to make Americans laugh at the end of a tough day. That's it. Republican, Democrat, socialist, capitalist, black, white, irrelevant. I have a job. Life is tough. I want to bring a smile to your face at the end of your day. That was, I don't know if Johnny Carson was a nice human being. I don't know what his politics were. I don't know if he had any religion. I only know that he had a very professional duty to, to making the show something that brought joy into people's lives. That's gone. Late night TV now is just another variation of some left-wing uh, show. That's it. It's not, it's, they're even less funny because the, the purpose is not to bring laughter into your life. The purpose is to bring politics into your life. Take sports. Look at the degradation in sports. The, the rules in the National Football League were you, you couldn't have any message on your, on your shirt or on your, on your shoes or anything because the only message was the Chicago Bears or the Detroit Lions or the New York Giants. That was the only message. And that was beautiful. And by the way, even I, messages I agree with, I don't want on football uniforms. Uh, one of the mottos of the United States is in God we trust. I love that motto. I don't want it on football uniforms. I want no messages. I want the guy's name and number and the name of the team. That's fine. But now that's been degraded. There's no institution that hasn't. The Philadelphia Orchestra had had a concert last year. I'm very into classical music, so I know about this. And I wrote about it in one of my columns. So I'm just paraphrasing. I don't have every exact word right, but they put on a piece the Philadelphia Orchestra last year, well, well, well before uh, BLM and so on. And they, uh, it, it was a, some piece of music with a young a black boy, um, doing the narrating and in it it, it uh he uses the f word in the, in the middle of the it, it's part of the concert of the philadelphia orchestra something like shut the f up and, and listen to what i have to say and i, I talked about it in, in an article and i talked about it on the on the, the radio show <laughs> you know th that's 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 de degrading so when you look at the debate and think, you know, wow, it's not the way it was previous generation, you're right. Nothing is like it was in a previous generation. The degradation is almost universal. God, I remember in the, in the 60s or 70s, it was, you know, many of us thought it was a joke, but it was symbolic of the, of the decline. There was a woman, she called herself a stripper for Christ. I mean, you know, it's one way to bring people to, uh, to Christianity, but <laughs> I don't know if it was effective, <laughs> but you can look it up. I mean, I haven't looked it up, but it's, I only remember it, but I, I should look it up actually.
but th- there's really nothing was immune to the degradation. So today, today you have f- for kids who were five years old, you have drag queen. Uh, uh, what is it? The reading story hour. story hour. Yeah, drag queen story hour. The robbing of children of sexual innocence is such a sin. I mean, if there's something you want to protect your children with regard to, it's that. You don't get a long time in life to be innocent. <laughs> well, why not Why not sort of guard it in, in, in our children? But even that, that's been taken. So I just, I just see a, a debate that is not uh, elevated as part of the degradation of virtually every institution. And I really do believe the, the opening salvo was public cursing. Don't, don't think it's a non-issue. It's not a non-issue. All right, let's go to our Q&A here. I'm the A, you're the Q. And we begin with a handsome dude in, uh, where is he from? Baltimore. Baltimore, that's right, yeah. Okay, here we go. Mr. Prager, nice to meet you. My name is Grant Fox. I'm 25 years old. I'm a bodyguard, and I do armed security down in Baltimore City. So my question for you is how can we combat censorship without the government stepping in and regulating free speech? All right. Is he a member of Prager Force? He is. He is? Mm -hmm. Good man. I'm telling you, if I were in my 20s, I would join Prager Force just to meet terrific people, and especially girls. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, you know. But guys, too. It's, I, I've, you know, it's funny. It's an interesting thing. I just should note this. It has been a life-saving thing, the love of my male friends in my life. And in my, I have an article on the Internet. Uh, I wrote this, like, maybe 15 years ago. Something like eight questions, I don't remember how many, but questions you should ask before you marry someone. Both of you should ask. And one of them that I put in, does the person have friends of the same sex? It's usually not a good sign if a woman doesn't have girl, female friends and a man doesn't have boy, male friends. It's not a good sign. Uh, anyway, having said that, I just wanted to make that clear. There'd be a lot of reasons for to have joined Prager Force, but uh, that would be one of them. Okay, so yes, how can we combat censorship without the government stepping in without regulating freedom of speech? Beats me. I've been racking my brains on this particular issue. What Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Google uh, are doing uh, to uh, free speech where doctors are not allowed to advocate hydroxychloroquine. It's called, it's called misinformation. Really? They, they know at Twitter uh, enough science to know? So hundreds upon hundreds of doctors advocate it, and you won't even allow dissent? Just remember something. Next time you hear the medieval church attacked for its treatment of Galileo, please know that that was nothing compared to what is done today by universities and by uh, the, the big tech firms to, uh, to scientists who dissent. Okay? 
These are the Galileos of our time, these doctors who dissent. The rest are sheep because the human being is not courageous. Humans are by nature sheep. So when you have hundreds of doctors who are willing to risk opprobrium, it's a fancy word for attack, uh, but, a, but it's a better word. <laughs> I like good words. Uh, these doctors should be, should be venerated or at least allowed to speak. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't know about hydroxychloroquine. I only know, I know enough to take it. More than 50 years, for more than 50 years, people have been taking hydroxychloroquine with no side effects. Of course, there are side, there's side effects for aspirin. There's side effects, you know, for, from everything. There's side effects on peanuts. Some people die from peanuts. So I don't know if there's an answer without the government stepping in. I, 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 if you know of one, any of you watching, let me know. I mean, people say, oh, then start your own. I mean, that's a little odd. Let me ask you a question. If Delta, United, and American announced that if you walk on, we, we will not allow passengers who walk on the plane with Wall Street Journal, only, uh, only left-wing journals are allowed. So why would you say, that's fine, it's private enterprise, let them do what they want. Why is that any different from what Google, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Twitter do? There's no difference whatsoever. If the airlines announced you can't come on the plane with the Wall Street Journal, it would be the exact same thing as what they're doing. And what would you do? Form your own airline? Let's be realistic. What is the alternative to Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter right now? Okay. The, it, the reason I can reach the, the numbers of people through PragerU that I do is because of these vehicles. I acknowledge that fact. And, you know, and I acknowledge the fact that with all of those uh, times uh, that a PragerU video is put on the restricted list, uh, we still have an enormous audience. With what, uh, If we were banned, which could happen, if we were banned from all of them, what would we do? Start a new Twitter, a new Google, a new YouTube, a new Facebook? Who would know, who would know it exists? There are some people who know, like Vimeo, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, I mean, that, and God bless them. The, the, the government should, should uh, simply say, you know, if you, we, we allowed you to be free from lawsuits because you promised us open forums. If you're not open, you're no longer freed from lawsuits. You can't have it both ways. That's, that's what needs to be said. Bianca, 42 years old in Brazil. Hello, Mr. Prager. Thinking about the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. What do you think about the obligation to use a seatbelt in the car? Many people use seatbelt laws as a justification to force people to wear a mask. We have to wear a seatbelt for our safety. Why not a mask? You have a lot of fans in Brazil. Thank you. Obrigado to you, Bianca. I know I have a lot of fans in Brazil, I, and, I, and I can't wait to come and meet you, to be honest. Got to figure out a way, you know, once lecturing resumes, <laughs> uh, to, to come to Brazil. I've lectured in Brazil, uh, but uh, uh, I'd like to, uh, obviously, I've been there a few times, and I'd like to come back. An incredibly lively and fascinating country, just incredible. Uh, you know, I look back at my life, and I got to say, the travel, uh, 
is up there in the top five memories of my life. 130 countries. When I was in high school, I really lived out a life of high school dreams. I wrote in my, in my diary in high school, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to influence people to the good. I wrote that as a, as a junior in high school. And I, I hopefully that's, that's what I'm doing. And I said, I want to, I want to visit every country in the world. That was another big, uh, big, I don't know if I'll get to every, but 130 is close. It's, it's a big number. Anyway, I've been to Brazil a few times. I love visiting uh, Latin America and South America uh, specifically. So to your question, all of life consists of drawing lines. It's very hard to make a hard and fast rule that has no exceptions. I generally believe if you want to ruin your life, you should be allowed to. Although I admit that I, I draw lines. I draw a line on drugs. Okay? That, that ruins your life. And, I, and by the way, there are very powerful arguments for the legalization of drugs. But they're only powerful, in my opinion, in theory. Well, you, you, then you, you, know, you knock out the criminals. But you don't. The criminals will just develop cheaper drugs or new, new forms of drugs. And, and what, is the government going to make every single drug that's available on the, on the street? Here, the, a meth store. I mean, is, that what, is, that what, is that what people who, who want legalization of drugs envision? A meth store? Uh, you know, an opium store? A cocaine store? A heroin store? Anyway, uh, that, that's obviously another subject. So the question of how much you can harm yourself. Look, uh, do, we, do we legalize euthanasia? In, in some European countries they have. And, you know, people have arranged to have themselves killed uh, just because, you know, they thought life wasn't worth living anymore. They were healthy. They, they didn't have a terminal disease with terrible pain. So we all draw lines. Should the government mandate seatbelts? First of all, I have to admit, I'm a, a big proponent of freedom. I don't quite understand what freedom you're deprived of by wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> You know, really, I, 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 it's hard for me to quite get my mind around, whoa, this is really restrictive. I mean, yes, it restricts your body from crashing into the windshield uh, it, or the steering wheel in a crash. I am a big believer in seatbelts. Now, when it comes to masks, I don't believe that they should be mandated. Because we don't have the proof with regard to masks that we do about seatbelts. You can see the difference in a seatbelt, obviously, in, in a crash simulation. Just look at the, the dummy. What happens to the dummy wearing a seatbelt and what happens to the dummy not wearing a seatbelt? Masks, the New England Journal of Medicine, the most prestigious medical journal in America, had a piece at the end of July of this year and said that outside they're essentially worthless. And, uh, and indoors, 
it's only effective, aside from surgical masks, which we don't have for everybody, it's only effective if you're face-to-face with someone 10 to 30 minutes. All right, how, how, how often does that happen? Especially if it's a stranger. I'm not telling you not to wear it, but I'm, I, 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 it's not the same as a seatbelt. By the way, of course, the doctors who wrote this thing in the New England Journal of Medicine, you know, like a week later, wrote an addendum. Of course, we didn't write, you know, I want to make it, we want to make it clear we didn't write against masks because they are under terrible pressure. Oh, people who don't believe in masks are using your article as proof. Yes, of course, they're using your article as proof because it is proof. Dr. Fauci said they were useless in the beginning and then he changed his mind. I don't regard them as the same as uh, seatbelts. And there's one other huge factor. There's no downside to a seatbelt. There's a huge downside to masks. People don't relate to people in masks like they do without masks. The face is who we are, for better or for worse. That's who you are, that's who I am. When you're faceless, it's a big difference in life. It has a terrible impact on the quality of life in society. I feel bad about kids who don't see faces. That's a very big part of growing up is to see faces. There's no price paid for seatbelts. There's a huge price paid for our faceless society. As it is, people are too much alone because of this ill-advised criminal, now criminal, lockdown. And not, not just America, wherever it is. My, my opposition to lockdown is not political. It's moral. It's medical. I'm a big fan of, of Israel. Israel is the, one of the worst examples of lockdown. It's in a second lockdown. Australia has locked down the state of Victoria. Uh, there it's a left-wing guy. In Israel, it's a right-wing guy. So there's a lockdown where you don't see people, and then you go out and you don't see people either because of masks. I always ask the only adult question you can ask about any policy in the world, and that is, what is the price? We pay a price when we raise the speed limit from 55 to 65 miles per hour. We know X number of people will die as a result, but we do it anyway. The environmentalists want us to all drive smaller cars, to use less fossil fuel, right? But there's a price paid there. The smaller the car, the more likely you'll die in an accident. More people die in small car accidents than in SUV accidents, but they don't care because the price is worth it, less fuel is used. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but they have made a decision, death is okay if we lower fossil fuel use. All of life is trade-offs. Long answer to a seatbelt question, but everything has long answers because there's a lot involved. What's our time factor? That my internal watch is pretty accurate, isn't it? Can I do a two-minute or let's see here? Okay. Stephanie, 16, Oakland, California, USA. Hi, Dennis. 
Hi, Stephanie. When people are confronted with the fact that the number of people in danger of dying because of COVID is not comparable to the number of people that are losing their livelihood because of the lockdown, a lot of people say, quote, lives are more important than saving people. Lives are more important than saving people from economic hardship. What would you say to this argument? Love your work. Give Otto a rub, please. His response is moving. He's, he's, he's delighted beyond words. Did he, did he even twitch his mouth? Nothing. He's very asleep. He's very asleep. Okay, that's fine. But she asked that I rub him. I did. Okay, very quickly. First of all, the only people who say that haven't lost their livelihoods. Did you ever notice that? It's the people who still have their livelihoods who say, well, of course we have to save lives. I, you can't compare livelihood to, to a life. So that, that's number one. I've, I've never met anybody who lost their livelihood who said, yeah, well, it was a good thing. I mean, because after all, my losing my livelihood saved lives. Uh, if I believed that the lockdown was uh, saving a serious number of lives, I would be pro-lockdown. You know what your chances of, if you get COVID, forget if you don't, your ch the chances, the CDC just published this. Anyone under like uh, 40 or whatever, your chances of not dying from COVID, if you get COVID, are 99.9 something percent. And, and for this, we are deprived, you know, it's, it, I don't think people understand, I, I really don't, what to lose your livelihood means. People commit suicide when they lose their livelihood. Couples break up. People have to get out of their house. Th they lose their dignity. They lose their life savings for no good reason. Never in the history of the world have healthy people been quarantined. This is a first. You know why? Because as Joe Biden put it in the debate when the president spoke against lockdowns, he said people, the president said people want to go back to work. People want to go to a restaurant. And Joe Biden said people want to be safe. That's, I spoke about that. One of the most important fireside chats I ever gave was on being safe. It's worth watching again. On that note, thanks for being with me. I'm Dennis Prager, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching this video. To help keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.